Thanks for joining us on this week's Real Life Church podcast. We'd love to know if God is using this ministry to bless you in some way. And if you'd like to share your story or know more about getting involved at Real Life Church, you can visit us on our website at livereallife.com today. Good morning, everyone. Thanks for joining us today. I am super excited to be able to share God's word with you. You know, we are entering Passion Week as we enter the final week of Jesus' ministry here on the earth. And today is what is called Palm Sunday. This will be the day that Jesus would have made his triumphal entry into Jerusalem. And we are going to take today and learn some lessons from this triumphal entry. But I've entitled this message, No Other King. We're going to be reading out of Matthew chapter 21 here in just a moment, but I want to kind of set this up for you. This passage as he's getting ready to go into Jerusalem, comes right off the heels of a major miracle. He had met and his, his buddy Lazarus was in a tomb and they called for him and he came and he spoke in the middle of that tomb and, and God, Jesus spoke and Lazarus came forth and Lazarus was resurrected from the dead. And the Bible says that Jesus declares himself as the resurrection and the life. And it's such a powerful moment in history and during this time. And it created a lot of buzz. And so there was a lot of excitement out of of this miracle. As everybody knows, he's getting ready to go into Jerusalem. They don't understand necessarily why. They have a preconceived idea of why Jesus was going to Jerusalem. And Jesus was very strategic in everything that he did during this week. Everything was meticulous. He, he, he knew exactly what he was getting himself into. The Bible declares and says that he would willingly lay down his life for us. And so nobody could take it from him. He really willingly laid it down for all mankind. And during this moment, it's such a powerful moment as they begin to enter into Jerusalem And this is the time that Jesus is going to declare himself as king, as he is preparing himself and his disciples to make their way into Jerusalem. He pulls the disciples aside, which he's been walking with for three years, and he brings them into this moment and he tells them, this is what's getting ready to happen. And here's what it says in Matthew chapter 20. It says that Jesus took his disciples privately and said to them, listen to me. We're on our way to Jerusalem. I've sensed there was an urgency in Jesus' voice during this moment. This wasn't a little quiet talk. This was locker room talk. And you know, before you go out to the game, the coach brings you in. It's not quiet time. It is a, an anticipation, an urgency. He, he is trying to put on the inside of these guys, guys, this is it. This is the finale. This is what I've come to the earth to do. And I've been on this earth for 33 years. And I've walked with you during this time. And I've given my life for you during this time. And he brings them in on one last little secret as he gets ready to unfold the plan of God during this last week. And here's what he tells them. He says, listen to me. We're on our way to Jerusalem. And I need to remind you that the son of man will be handed over to the religious leaders and scholars, and they will sentence him to be executed. And they will hand him over to the Romans to be mocked, tortured, and crucified. Yet three days later, he will raise, be raised to life 
again. He brings them into this locker room talk, and he says, guys, when we get here, here's the purpose. It's not fanfare. It's not so people can lay their palm trees and their robes down in front of me. That has nothing to do with what's getting ready to happen. What's getting ready to happen is I'm getting ready to be mocked. I'm getting ready to be tortured. I'm getting ready to be crucified. And then one of the gospels, as they tell this story, it says this, Jesus set his face like a flint towards Jerusalem. In other words, he was focused. He was ready for what was in front of him. He, there was a joy that was set in front of Jesus during this moment. And that joy was us, folks. This would be the week that he was going to trans, transition from, from being that, that miracle worker and that, and that, and that, and that, and that son of God to, to that, to that way maker where he's coming into the earth and he's, this was what he was born for, for this moment. And I, I want to read to you out of Matthew chapter 21, and he brings these guys into this story. And in Matthew chapter 21, we'll pick up in verse number one. It says this, now as they were approaching Jerusalem, they arrived at the place of the stables near the Mount of Olives. Jesus sent two of his disciples ahead saying, as soon as you enter the village, you will find a colt tethered along with her young colt. Untie them both and bring them to me. And if anyone stops you and asks, what are you doing? Just tell them the Lord of all needs them. Listen to that terminology. The Lord of all needs them. What was he doing in this moment? He was declaring himself as King. He was declaring himself as the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. He says, the Lord of all has need of it. Then he says, and he will let you take it. He says, all this happened to fulfill prophecy. Tell Zion's daughter, look, your king arrives. He's coming to you full of gentleness, sitting on a donkey, riding on a donkey's colt. So the two disciples went on ahead and did as Jesus had instructed them. They brought the donkey and her colt to him and placed their cloaks and prayer shawls on the colt. And Jesus rode on it. Here it is in this moment that he has his disciples go and he, he, he gets this cold. He unties it and it says the Lord of all has need of it. In verse number eight, it says, then an exceptional large crowd gathered and carpeted the road before him with their cloaks and prayer shawls and others cut down branches from trees to spread in his path. And Jesus rode in the center of the procession. Crowds going before him and crowds coming behind him. And they all shouted, bring the victory, Lord, son of David. He comes with the blessings of being sent from the Lord Yahweh. We celebrate with praises to God in the highest. As Jesus entered Jerusalem, the people went wild with excitement. The entire city was thrown into an uproar as Jesus enters into the city. Some ask, who is this man? And the crowd shouted back, this is Jesus. He's the prophet from Nazareth of Galilee. What a powerful moment. Here it is. Jesus, the son of God, was coming into his moment. As he's entering and he's going into Jerusalem, they lay down robes in front of him. They lay down palm trees. And one version says that they're shouting, Hosanna in the highest. They're, 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 they're worshiping him in this moment. They're declaring Psalm 118 in this moment. And, and they're given the promise of Zechariah 9.9 that, that the deliverer has come. He's the king and he's coming to deliver us. And they might have some different ideas or mentality about what that looked like. But as I read Matthew chapter 21, I just want to share with you four things that we can learn from this story and really that we can get a hold of the heart of God in this moment. The first thing that I see in this passage is this, Jesus meets you 
where you are. If we read in Matthew 21, verses 1 through 7, it says that as they approached Jerusalem, they arrived at a place near Mount of Olives. Jesus sent his two disciples ahead, and, it, and he said to them, Go, you'll find a donkey tethered along with her young colt. Untie them and bring them to me. And if anyone stops you and asks you, what are you doing? Tell them the Lord of all needs them and he will let you take them. And all of this happened to fulfill the prophecy in Zechariah chapter 9. So they take this donkey and Jesus rides on a donkey. And I ask myself this question, you know, as a king, why, why did he choose a donkey? See, most kings, when they're going into war, would ride on a war horse. And so I, I begin to study this and look this up, and there's some characteristics about a donkey that was so important in this moment. Again, Jesus was, was, was dotting every I and crossing every T. It was so meticulous of what Jesus, everything meant something in this story. See, the idea of Jesus will meet you right where you are shows up in this figure, this character called a donkey. And as Jesus is preparing to make his way through the eastern gate of the city, what we also have to understand is on the opposite side of the city, there is another parade. As Jesus is moving his way through the eastern gate on a donkey, there is another party or another parade happening on the other side. And it is the Romans. The Romans are making their way into the city at the same time. They would collide in the, in, the, in the middle of the city. The Romans were beginning to fill up the city, and it's estimated that at the triumphal entry, there was a million people celebrating Jesus as he's moving through. There's two, there's two big dichotomies happening in this moment. You have Jesus, the Son of God, that is going to deliver the people by laying down his life, and you have the other side, which is the Roman Government and they are coming in and they are they, they are they are abusing and they are controlling and they are putting people in bondage and these two things death and life and light and darkness is getting ready to converge on the scene in the middle of Jerusalem. Why did he choose a donkey? Why didn't he ride a war horse? Why didn't he ride something of the king? Why didn't he look like a king? Why didn't he take this war horse and enter into Jerusalem? Because Jesus had a different agenda. He was not going to war in the natural. He was going to war in the spirit. And he was coming that he would require of himself that he would give of his life. And here's, here's a couple reasons why I believe he chose a donkey. Number one is it was a fulfillment of prophecy in Zechariah chapter 9, verse number 9. It says, righteous and victorious, lowly, and riding on a donkey and on a colt, the fowl of a donkey. He was fulfilling Zechariah chapter 9, verse number 9. Number two is this, a leader rode on a horse if he was coming into war. A donkey meant that he was signifying peace. So Jesus was not on a war horse. He was coming to bring peace. He was bringing um, this new level of grace that people had never seen before. And I think the third reason is the greatest reason why Jesus chose a donkey was because Jesus used the donkey to connect with common people. It's proven because life was not easy for a Jew living under Roman rule in the first century. There were so many poor people. There was, there was poor people. There were sick people. And Jesus embraced the poor. He embraced the sick in this moment. 
And his choice of a donkey instead of a horse was, was God's way of saying that he came as a king, not to rule over, but to serve, that he came to be the savior of the world, that he would save the people from their oppression. He was saying this, you're a common people, and I'm going to meet you on common ground. I'm going to meet you where you are. I'm going to meet you in the middle of your mess. I'm going to meet you in the middle of your sickness. I'm going to meet you in the middle of that brokenness. I'm going to meet you in that marriage that is struggling. I'm going to meet you in the middle of that addiction. And I'm going to meet you as a common person. This was the first lesson that I learned from the triumphal entry. Is he's saying, I'm meeting you where you are. Today, folks, he's meeting you where you are. No matter where you find yourself today. No matter how you find yourself today, whether you're successful or whether you're not successful, whether you're struggling or whether you're not struggling, hear me today. The King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, his name is Jesus, and he wants to meet you right where you are. The second lesson that we learn is Jesus fills us with hope. I love Matthew 21 verses 8 through 10. Listen to how the wording is. He says this. Then an exceptional large crowd gathered and carpeted the road before him with their cloaks and prayer shawls. Others cut down branches from trees to spread in his path. This is, listen to verse 9. He says this. He said, Jesus rode in the center of the progression, of the procession, crowds going before him and crowds coming behind him. And they all shouted, Bring the victory, Lord, son of David. I love this because it says he rode in the middle of the people. He wasn't this king that was high and mighty where the, the people would all follow him as he rolls in on his white horse and he's, he's this, this authority figure. No, it says he lived and it says that he rode among the people. And it says he comes with the blessings of being sent from the Lord. Verse 10 says, as Jesus entered Jerusalem, the people went wild with excitement. The entire city was thrown into an uproar. Can you imagine this moment? It says that Jesus gives us hope during this season. Listen, the triumphal entry gives us the lesson that God wants to fill us with hope. The people, there was an excitement. Maybe this is the day, this is the time, this is the week that the Roman bondage is going to be broken off of our life. But what they didn't understand... As they are singing Psalm 118. See, Psalm 118 was a victory song that they would sing and declare when generals would come back from war. They saw miracles. They trusted him. They knew he was going to take care of business this week, but they may have misinterpreted how he was going to do it. Maybe they didn't understand that this whole idea to bring hope was that he would lay down his life for us. He wasn't coming in to make war in the natural. He was coming to submit his life that he would become the lamb slain before the foundation of the world. Jesus fills us with hope. The third lesson that we learn in the triumphal entry is Jesus shows us Love. In Matthew 21, 12 through 15, it says, Upon entering Jerusalem, Jesus went directly into the temple area. So here's what happens. He's coming out of Bethany, and he, he comes in. He kind of does a swoop, and he goes down into Jerusalem. As he goes down into Jerusalem, he's going right for the Temple Mount. And that's where he's going to go. He says this. It says, In the temple area, and drove away all the merchants who were buying and selling their goods. So when you read in certain versions, here's what he does. He goes to the money changers. 
and he begins to flip over the tables. And listen to what he says. He gets the den of thieves out because they were cheating people, mishandling money, up, upstocking everything and ripping people off. And Jesus says it this way. He says, my house will not be known for this, but my father's house will be a house of prayer. Then he goes on to say this in Matthew 21, 14 and 15. He says, then the blind and the crippled came into the temple courts. Jesus healed them all. The children circled around him shouting blessings and, and, and praises to the son of David. Listen, the lesson we learn is that Jesus shows us his love. He goes into the temple court. He turns the tables over. He cleans his father's house. He brings it back to what matters, that his father's house is a house of prayer. And then the blind come, the cripple come. Jesus is getting ready to give his life in a few days. And in this temple moment, in this temple, uh, uh, the temple courts, the crippled come, the blind come, the healed, and they come. And it says he healed them all. And then the children came. The children came and danced around him and shouted blessings and praises to the son of David. Why was this happening? Because for three years on the earth that we have record of, Jesus was displaying his love. It was the love of God that, that, that was manifested in Jesus that he would come to the earth and give his life for us. He drove up the money changers. He drove out the immorality, and he made it again about people. The Bible says in this moment they saw all the wonderful miracles of healing. These religious rulers in this moment, it says they became furious. Religious rulers became furious because the Son of God was displaying love. He made it really clear that it was about people. He cleansed this temple, and the blind came, and the cripple came. Why? Why did all this happen in this moment? Because that's why he came. The Bible says that he came to seek and save that which was lost. He gave his love. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Listen, in this moment, in this final week, as we, as we head and transition into Jerusalem, it's the love of God displayed. It's the love of God in action. It was his purpose on the earth that he came to destroy the works of the devil that was tormenting people on the earth. How did he do it? He didn't do it with judgment. He didn't do it with criticism. He didn't do it with an over bearing spirit. No, he did it with love. That's how God, that's how Jesus changed the world. The final lesson that we learn from the triumphal entry is number four. Jesus extends forgiveness. And Jesus in this moment will address the critics. And listen to how Jesus addresses the critics. Remember that during this moment, everything matters. Every word matters. Every action matters during the triumphal entry in this Passion Week. Listen to what he says. Jesus said to his critics, tell me what you think of this parable. So here he goes. He's going to start to tell a spiritual story. He says, there once was a man who had two sons. The father came to the first and said, son, I want you to go and work in the vineyard today. The son replied, I'd rather not. But afterward, he deeply regretted what he said to his father. He changed his mind and decided to go to the vineyard. The father approached the second son and said the same thing to him. The son replied, Father, I will go and do as you said, but he never did. He didn't go to the vineyard. Tell me now, which of these two sons did the will of his father? They answered him, the first one. And Jesus said, 
You're right. Now listen to this next statement. For many sinners, tax collectors, and prostitutes are going into God's kingdom realm ahead of you. He's addressing the critics. He's telling them that sinners, tax collectors, and prostitutes are going to go into God's kingdom ahead of you. And it says, John came to show you the path of goodness and righteousness. Yet the the despised and outcasts believed in him, but you did not. And when you saw them turn, you neither repented of your ways nor believed his words. He said, you looked at them. He said, he said, you looked at him. He said, you saw them turn. He said, and this is what Jesus said, sinners, tax collectors, and prostitutes are going to enter the realm of the kingdom before you do. This is extremely important. Here's why it's important. Again, everything that Jesus says matters. Why did he point out sinners, tax collectors, and prostitutes? Because in the eyes of the chief priest and the religious scholars, they were the three lowest categories of people in society during that time. So Jesus took this moment, and this is hope for us. This is where God comes in and says there's hope for anybody. God takes this moment in this story and says the three lowest groups, categories on the earth during this time that the religious rulers had given a category to, God says, I'm going to send them in to my kingdom before you get there. Listen, God in this moment exemplifies his love. He exemplifies his forgiveness. He takes a moment to address the critics. And listen, listen to me just for a moment this morning. The people of this day were looking to get out of their temporal pain. But Jesus was looking to set them completely free. See, their temporal pain was the oppression of Rome. But what Jesus came to do was to set them free from sin. They thought that he was coming to destroy Rome and to take over when he really was coming to give his life as a sacrifice for their freedom. And can I tell you today, folks, that forgiveness has been made available because of this moment, that it wasn't him coming to be a hierarchy, to take over a natural realm. No, a spiritual realm called sin that separates us from God. The Bible says that he came and he laid down his life willingly not to destroy Rome and take over Rome, but to destroy the works of the devil. Listen, Jesus is not looking to get you out of your situation temporarily. He's not trying to put a band-aid on your bondage. What Jesus wants for you today is he came to set you free. He came not to do a temporary work. He came to do a long-term work, and it's called transformation. And today, that forgiveness is available for you. God is not withholding that forgiveness to you. God is extending forgiveness to you today. Romans chapter 8 puts it this way. So now the case is closed. There remains no accusing voice of condemnation against those who are joined in life union with Jesus, the anointed one. For the law of the spirit of life flowing through the anointing of Jesus has liberated us from the law of sin and death. For God achieved what the law was unable to accomplish because the law was limited by the weakness of human nature. Yet God sent us his son. This is the beginning 
oh, Christmas story is wonderful and the baby is born into the earth, but this final week is the crescendo of the redemption plan of God in the earth. And it says this, that yet God sent us his son in human form to identify with human weakness. He clothed him with humanity. God's son gave his body to be the sin offering so that God could once and for all condemn the guilt and the power of sin. And that's why he came. And what does he offer for us today? He offers and extends forgiveness for our sin. But not just forgiveness, not just a ticket out of a place called hell. He gives us a, a, a ticket, but man, it's much more than just a ticket to get our sins forgiven. It is a ticket of transformation. I want to read this passage to you as we close this morning. In Colossians chapter 2, verse number 13. It says, when you were spiritually dead because of your sins, because you were not free from the power of your sinful self, God made you alive with Christ and he forgave all our sins. He canceled the debt, which listed all the rules that we failed to follow. He took away that record with its rules and nailed it to the cross. That's what's happening this week, folks. He's taking our debt and he's canceling it. He's taking our sin and he's canceling it. He's taking our weakness and he's canceling it. And he's beginning the journey all the way to the cross where he would take the very record of sin and the very record of the enemy against our life. And he's going to nail it to the cross on Friday night. That's why Jesus came. The triumphal entry is not just a good story. There are lessons within this story that says... He's there for me. He loves me. He extends forgiveness to me. And I believe today that if you're watching and you need forgiveness and you need transformation, let's do that today. Let's make Jesus the Lord of our life. How do you do that? How do you access God's forgiveness? Prayer. Today you must acknowledge that Jesus came. You must acknowledge that you are a sinner, that you are separated from God. That maybe you've been living according to the course of this world. Maybe you've never made Jesus the Lord of your life. And listen to me, there's no condemnation as I read in Romans 8. Today, God wants to save you. God wants to deliver you. God wants to rescue you. God's intention was to, to come and destroy sin in your life and do it like this. It's like a bridge. A bridge connects two places together. And that's what God did. We're on one side. And God the Father's on the other side, and Jesus came as a bridge by which he would become that which we would walk over to become the relationship that we can have with our Father. The cross will become the bridge by which Jesus will die on, and it will become the bridge by which we can walk over and have a relationship with God. Listen today, forgiveness is extended to you. Do you need it? Do you want it? Are you in your living room right now? Are you sitting in your car somewhere? Maybe, maybe, maybe you're working right now and you're listening to this. Listen to me today. Don't ignore what God wants to do in your life. Because let me tell you this morning, it's good. It's great. His forgiveness will transform you. His, his forgiveness will set you free. So I want to ask today if you pray with me. If you're watching out there and you're, and you're, you're, you're receiving something today from God. Today I ask that you would say yes to Christ right there where you are. We don't have to be in a building. We don't have to be in a church building. Guys, I gave my heart to Jesus in a bedroom. 
It wasn't at a church. It wasn't at an altar. It wasn't in a great service. It was simply in my bedroom. When I knew in May of 1994 that I was a broken young man and I needed God in my life. There were so many things that were happening. My soul was empty, and I needed God to change me, and I didn't understand everything, neither do you. And I came to that moment where I just raised my voice, and I said, God, if you are real, come and change me and set me free. And that's exactly what God did. He extended his forgiveness to me in that moment with no condemnation. He didn't say, Jason, you need to clean up. Jason, you need to get it right. No, he said, Jason, just come as you are. And when I came as I am, because he identified with common man, he set me free, and he'll do the same for you today. So if you're out there, will you pray with me right now in this moment as you say yes to Christ? Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you for each person that is watching. Lord, I ask today that there are those that are moved by your word today. Your Holy Spirit is working upon every heart. God, I ask today as we pray together, that you would invade their homes, you would invade wherever they're sitting right now. You said in your word that your hand is not too short, that it cannot save. So Lord, I pray today for each person. I'd ask them, I'd ask you to pray out loud with me right where you are, wherever you're at today, just pray out loud with me, repeat after me, and I believe Jesus is going to do a transformational work in your heart today. And so Father, just repeat after me. Say, Heavenly Father, I believe you sent your son Jesus to die on the cross for my sin. I'm a sinner. I'm separated from God. Today, Lord, I ask that you'd come into my heart. I ask today, Lord, that you would forgive me as, as you extend forgiveness towards me. As you don't look down upon me, you came and gave your life for me. I ask today that you would extend forgiveness to me today. Lord, today I don't want a band-aid for my bondage. I want to be set free. So I invite you into my heart to make me a new creature. Today, Lord, I ask old things would pass away and all things would become new. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Listen, if you prayed that prayer today, congratulations on making that decision to say yes to Jesus. Do me a favor right here in this moment. We want to be able to follow up with you. We want to be able to send you some resources. So here's what I'd like for you to do. If you would just do me a favor, there's a, there's a number there on your screen. Do me a favor and just text the word hope to that number. You will receive a text and, and they will give you a few um, uh, instructions and they will give you a link to some resources that will help you. Listen, I don't want to pester you. I just want to pastor you. I just want to help you. I just want to be your friend. And so in order to do that, just text the word hope to that number that's on the screen and they'll send you a link that will get you to some resources on prayer, worship, all those sorts of things. And so we love you. Congratulations today on your decision to follow Jesus. I do want to let you know as we close up today that I'd like for you to join me online this Friday night at seven o'clock. We are going to have an opportunity to have a good Friday communion service online at seven o'clock. We have something special planned for the entire family. So get the kids, get everybody in the living room and be ready. We're going to have a good Friday service with communion. And I believe God is going to do something transformational as we continue to honor him during this season. I love you. And again, congratulations on your decision today and have a great week.
Thanks again for listening to our podcast. Be sure to connect with us on social media, the RLC app, and online at livereallife.com.